Good morning. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Tea Time with Tommy, where we take a few minutes, share a cup of tea together, and we're hopefully able to gain some encouragement as we look at different scriptures and devotional thoughts. Today's podcast is brought to you by Twinings of London Darjeeling Black Tea. There are few places on earth as enchanting as Darjeeling, a small but vibrant town in the Indian state of West Bengal. Located in the foothills of the Himalayan mountains, the high elevation gardens and sloped terrain of this region produce distinctive teas that are harvested in three growing seasons called flushes. First flush teas are harvested in March following the spring rains and have a fresh, lively taste. Second flush teas are harvested in June and have a mellow muscatel flavor. Autumn flush teas are rich and smooth, but bolder in flavor. Our Darjeeling combines teas from the first and second flushes to yield a sophisticated tea with a woody aroma and slightly dry, delicate taste. So sit back with your cup of tea and let's relax together for a few minutes as we see where this week's podcast will take us. Good morning, a warm teacup welcome to all those who are able to join in with us today. It's great to be back together again for Tea Time with Tommy. Last week we looked at a part of one of the psalms and today I want us to briefly look at another psalm that just so happens to be my favorite. Now if you've had the opportunity to hear me preach or perhaps listen to uh, one of the sermons on our website, you know that I've actually preached a sermon on this psalm. But today I'm going to come at it in a little different direction and hopefully encourage us or at the very least remind us with the truth that no matter what, God is always our help. My favorite psalm is Psalm 3. It falls into four strophes, which is a fancy word of stanzas, of two verses each. The first set reveals the peril Uh, that David is facing. The second pair records his initial prayer. The third pair shows the peace that is a result from that prayer. And then finally he closes with a repeated prayer, but an affirmation of faith that it is God alone who can deliver and bless his people. Hope that you've got your Bible with you, and let's read together Psalm 3. My Bible gives uh, titles to uh, many of the Psalms. This actually is uh, the first Psalm that has a title, and it, it is entitled, The Lord Helps His Troubled People. Psalm 3, as we read together, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, There is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Now David begins 
by crying out to Yahweh. The word Lord in our text translates Yahweh, the personal covenant name of God. If you'll remember, God revealed himself to Moses with this same name at the burning bush. And for David to address God as Yahweh, uh, you can interpret it as uh, in the New Testament believers addressing God as Abba and Father. This is a very intimate and personal cry for help from David. And the verse reads, literally, it says, Many are they who say of me. So, uh, uh, I think the words that that he's saying are words that are he's a, he's feeling affecting in his heart. He's feeling them in his soul that there is no help for him and God. Now, honestly, I wasn't there, obviously, uh, but they were probably bringing up that public sin with Bathsheba, uh, the murder of her husband. Uh, they could have been crying out, "You hypocrite! You scoundrel!" Um, how can you claim to follow God? His claim that God had anointed him king was a joke. God is not on the side of such a phony person. I mean, there's just so many things uh, that they could have been crying out against him uh, and again led by his own son Absalom. I've been reading a lot of Spurgeon lately and his take uh, on this specific section of Psalm Spurgeon says this, Doubtless David felt this infernal suggestion to be staggering to his faith. If all the trials which come from heaven, all the temptations which ascend from hell, and all the crosses which arise from earth could be mixed and pressed together, they would not make a trial so terrible as that which is contained in this verse. It is the most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God. And that, that's what David was sharing. He was, he was crying that out to Yahweh, his personal, his covenant, his father God. As we look to the next pairing, he begins with, but you which means he's shifting his focus. He's reflecting a little bit from those frightening circumstances to prayer. He reminds us, or, or he shows us here, uh, so that we can be reminded that the Lord is to be our shield, our glory, the restorer of our joy, our prayer-answering God. Uh, in my studies, uh, I found a, a devotion, and it gave, it broke down these four uh, specific things. The Lord is our shield. God is our protector and defender. He shields us from the enemy's attacks. David personalizes it, and he says that he is a shield about me. You, O Lord, are a shield for me. Your translation may say about me. He goes on to say the Lord is our glory Although David had great earthly acclaim before this catastrophe in his life, he's also recognizing, he's acknowledging that this identification with the Lord is really the only thing that matters. If he has a claim to glory, it's because he's identified with the Lord. Whether the Lord restored David to his place of earthly prominence or not, God is and will always receive the glory. The Lord is the restorer of our joy. He says, the one who lifts up my head. That's a Hebrew expression. 
for restoring someone who's been cast down. Uh, their, their, their dignity, their position has been knocked down. Uh, Joseph uh, in Genesis chapter 40, told the cupbearer, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. So, so he's painting that picture of being the one who's been cast down. His dignity's been, uh, been knocked down, uh, but he will be restored, and that can only happen through the Lord. And then he goes on, the Lord is our prayer-answering God. In verse 4, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me. Again, Spurgeon, we need not fear a frowning world while we rejoice in a prayer-hearing God. We're reminded that when life was falling apart, we know what to do. We follow David's example. We pray. It's interesting what happened next. David has cried out to God in prayer, and then these next two verses he went to bed, not in the palace, but he was camped out in the wilderness, and, but he slept through the night. If you think back, uh, as we study Scripture, <clears throat> Peter, on the night before his intended execution, sound asleep in prison between two guards that the angel sent to rescue him uh, and, and actually had to hit him to wake him up. Well, that's David. He, he awoke safe and sound because the Lord had sustained him. Reports came in of the tens of thousands that were set against him, and yet he will not be afraid. Verse 6 tells us, I will not be afraid. When the Lord is our shield, he is our shield. When we recognize, when we trust in the Lord being our shield, the one who sustains us, the odds or the numbers against us don't matter. We heard it Sunday morning as Brother Neil Hughes quoted for us during his sermon, one plus God is a majority. Now David could have said amen after that in verse 6. But I think you and I both know we live in the real world and, and so did David. So it, it's not only us, but when when so many, uh, when, there's, when there's others depending on us, uh, anxiety has a way of creeping back in. Does any of that sound familiar? So what David does here is shows us in verse 7 and 8 that he cries out to God again, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then note this, your blessing is upon your people. David's final request, your blessing is upon your people, shows that David didn't pray selfishly. Now I'm just going to be honest, I think that's possibly one of the most difficult aspects uh, as Christians when we pray, is to be cautious in not praying selfishly. David was the anointed king of God's people. Absalom's rebellion was negatively affecting the entire nation. And so when David was asking God to deliver him, he wasn't just looking at himself. He saw it in the terms of the effect that it had on the entire nation. And so he was asking that God's blessings be on his people. Matthew 6, the Lord teaches us how to pray. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, we pray that God will act so that he and he alone will be glorified so that his people will be blessed and strengthened. David shows us he was able through prayer to take a horrible experience of betrayal, of pain, of nearly being killed, and he turned it into a song of praise. God can use our very worst trials to deepen our trust in him. He can take what's awful in our lives and produce praise that will be an encouragement to others. Have you ever felt like life would fall apart? Yes. <laughs> but in that, you can experience a peace that only God's hands laying hold of you in believing prayer will bring comfort. When he answers, he's going to receive the glory. We'll receive joy. There'll be blessings. But all the blessing, all the joy points to the glory that is God alone. I don't know what you're going through. There might be some minor things in your life. Your life might be falling apart at the seams. But as a child of the King, Jesus is our high priest. His blood was shed on Calvary. And that same prayer-hearing God who rescued David is ready to rescue you. Even in the midst of pain, agony, crisis, suffering, even it, because it's, we brought it on ourselves through our own sin, if we will humble ourselves before him with repentant and believing hearts through prayer, we will be exalted. We will be rescued. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's podcast. Today, we examined a prayer of David. He cried out to God, to Yahweh, who he knew personally and intimately. He reminded himself of who God is and how God loves him, his shield, his glory, the one who restores his joy. He not only voices but shows his trust in God as he finds rest in the midst of difficulty. He prays for others, not just himself, interceding on their behalf. The challenge I have for myself, and maybe you would like to examine this as well, is if someone examined my prayers, what would they see? Are my prayers intimate and personal to the God I know? Am I claiming his promises and declaring his faithfulness and goodness? Am I trusting in him, not just in word, but also in deed? Are my prayers focused solely on myself, or am I praying for others with a genuine heart? I want to encourage you with a quote from Max Licato. Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. We look forward to spending time with you next week, but until then, may your cup overflow with his blessings.